0: Podcast: the officially unofficial podcast for game of thrones on hbo i'm jim i'm aaron and today we are talking about season two episode seven titled a man without honor uh talking about ned quite obviously the guy we thought was so honorable and jamie makes a salient point about the the dishonorable nature of of Jon snow being a bastard
1: yeah, it's one of the better scenes in the the episode where Jamie kind uh-huh. of like outlines how you're in a pickle sometimes as a knight. Like what what oaths yeah. do you fulfill and what oaths do you like, you know, if you're the Asimovian robot with the three laws, which one's take precedence? Um yeah. I, I it's it's um it's interesting that they start this uh, this is the first kind of what well, I don't know. It's it's interesting because it's it's humanizing Jamie in an episode where he b- kills his cousin in complete cold blood, uh-huh. and I love it for that reason because it, they kind of refuse to put Jamie in just one box. Like you're not ready to get yeah. at your woobies for him, but you know clearly there's more to him than the official kind
0: of like Stark propaganda about mm-hmm. Jamie Lannister, and it's great. Absolutely, and they've been doing i think some of that stuff with you know tywin as well in the mm-hmm. aria scenes you can see that he's not just this cold-blooded monster um but there is that element to him and i think they're doing a lot of like father like son sort of stuff here yeah and even with cersei like the fact that she's afraid of her own son and mm-hmm.
1: afraid of what it means the fact that he's so fucking crazy and cruel mm-hmm. um
0: that yeah, Cersei, Cersei having a, an off day here on the bitch scale, right? Like, yeah. normally she's she's a pretty tough exterior, but it's melting a little bit. Well,
1: I think when you've got this this existent existential threat on your back door yeah. and there's really nothing you can do about it. And, and you sort of
0: know you've caused the problems that are putting you in the situation to begin yeah,
1: with. Yeah, looking back over your life, oh, here are the things that got me here. It's, it's, pro-
0: it's, it's probably got a way to sober up anybody. For sure. And for all of those reasons and more, I like this episode a lot uh, i thought it was really good you have anything else to say about it before we get into the recap no, let's
1: let's get to the recap uh, i want to cover some quick housekeeping we got so much stuff going on walking dead season eight came back this weekend uh, we've already live watched it we are ready for the podcast to come out on tuesdays that's going to be an every week thing until for the next eight weeks mr robot came back last week uh two weeks ago and mm-hmm. We are really digging the episode so far. Uh, we're having a great time recapping those those drop on Friday. Stranger things, season two drops in its entirety on Friday, and Jim and I are marathoning it this weekend. Our goal is to have an episode up for every ep- uh, a podcast episode for every episode uh, complete and uploaded as we go by Monday morning. Uh, we're also going to be seeing Suburbicon this Thursday night, the new Cohen Brothers written, George Clooney directed, uh Matt Damon starring, crazy movie. Uh have no I really don't even know what it's about, but that's a pretty good pedigree and I'm excited about it. We also last week played uh episode three of a Wolf The Wolf Among Us, which is the weird uh kind of fantasy fable uh adventure game from Telltale, and I thought it was a pretty good pretty good episode. If you if you've never seen a bald move let's play. We try to make the worst decision possible at all times, uh, either in terms of like what it means to be a good human being, in terms of what it means for good gameplay. We always try to be, do the stupidest and most dickest thing possible. Check that out uh, for our premium club members. And also, finally... We're going to be in Huntsville, Alabama for the Rocket City NerdCon. If you go to RocketCityNerdCon.org, you can get all the information. It is the weekend of the 4th and 5th in November. Uh, we'll be at the uh, Central Library doing panels. We're going to be doing a live podcast on uh, Return of the Jedi. We're going to be doing our uh, Red Wedding cosplay game show spectacular and talking about how you can succeed at podcasting. RocketCityNerdCon.org dot org for tickets, uh, advanced tickets of that.
0: Okay. We start off with Theon waking to find Asha, Hodor, Brand, and Rickon all gone. Uh he's pissed at the guards and he beats one of them for pointing out that he was fucking the Wildling who helped them escape. And then he sends the hounds after the boys. This is the insolent one anyway.
1: He yeah. probably deserved a curb stopping.
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: I mean they're in as much that all these Iron Islanders are probably total shits, mm-hmm. uh you know Rape. I, I maybe there is the sense. Maybe there is the. I, I keep thinking of like what it would be like to be the one, like sensitive soul in this long boat. Like you're the. Yeah. What was that dude on uh, in Saving Private Ryan? The translator. Oh yeah, Like um, private Mellish or something like that. That's not like that. that. That's not. But like, what would it be like to be that guy, Jeremy I
0: Davies? Yeah, yeah, I think,
1: I think you you would be dead. You'd be you you wouldn't survive the trip across the first trip across the ocean. So I'm just assuming, at the very least, you'd need your own boat. All these guys are rape and reaving experts and thus failures as human beings. Yeah, uh, and the, you can see Theon like uh, having to be in that mold, and it's not it's not pretty. No, and it doesn't
0: doesn't really fit him honestly. He's trying to grow into it here, um if you can call it growth. Um he's trying to be that, but you can see I mean especially on the look, with the look on his face at the end of the episode yeah. where he sees the the two burnt bodies, he is very much out of his depth here. Um <laughs> yeah. even though he's trying to put up this good front. And uh, the other thing is like I remember
1: the first time, you know, watching this or or reading it, you think about Theon like Okay, Theon maybe is all all hat no cattle most of the time, but he was mm-hmm. a pretty good hunter. Yeah, and and he had a lot of skill for like the boat. and And I remember being kind of like really afraid, like, oh man, uh, it's Asha and Hodor and these two boys versus versus Theon and, and what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I felt like that they did a pretty good amount of suspense here. Um, yeah. So, yeah, let's M- leave it at that.
0: My my preference in this scene when you see the guard who's had a slow thrit. Th- slow thrit? yeah. Yeah, when that sloat's just totally thrit open. Oh, man, nothing like a slit throat. <laughs> uh, yeah, you fucked
1: up the fuck I, up. No, that's what I do.
0: <laughs> that's what I do. Uh, when they see this, I I can't help but think they assume it was like Bran or Rickon put the knife to the throat. <laughs> oh, right, right. Yeah. Uh, well, that's Which the thing. Is pretty funny. As the guys
1: like, well, it wasn't just the it was it wasn't just a crippled boy. It was the giant. They're like, oh, yeah. because we know Hodor is not exactly. Even though he's got the power to crack a walnut in his hands,
0: he's mm-hmm. a gentle giant. He is. He's not a killer. No. Um, okay, let's go to Asha complaining about ha- not having enough food as they walk through a field and they come upon a farm where Bran sent the Winterfell orphans, if you recall, a couple episodes ago. I do. Uh, Brand doesn't want to go to the farm in order to keep them from harm, but Asha points out that they can't outrun the hounds forever. Yes, I know I've rhymed that.
1: Awesome. <laughs> and that's it. That's the scene. Can't outrun hounds or Jim's propensity to rhyme. Uh, oh. Yeah, it's it's cool because, like I said, uh, this this walnut this this walnut cracking by Hodor mm-hmm. uh, gives you the 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 glimpse of his potential power. And I remember. Yeah. Reading and watching, it's like they kept on having these like casual feats of strength. It's like, oh man, with if Hodor ever has his Lenny moment, mm-hmm. uh, in in uh, you know mice and men, it's going to be fucking epic. But until now, we're just content to watch him cracking cracking walnuts with his bare hands. Yep. Um, and
0: that becomes important later.
1: Yeah, yeah, it does. It's not just because flourish. It, they they leave it here with Brand giving very good reasons for why they shouldn't visit the farm. And Asha giving very good reasons for why they should.
0: Yeah, and you don't know which one they're gonna they're gonna
1: choose, right? Because it says something. It says yeah. something about Bran um, and his starkness, like what 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 the what kind of harm he would put others in.
0: Uh, we're not, but we're not ready to talk about it just yet. Not quite. Uh, first, we got to talk about John and Egret waking up in the morning. Egret uh, goes right back to the sexual teasing. And John gets just as annoyed as he did the night before, especially when she accuses him of being a newcomer to the North. And he gets all uppity about his blood, and and she makes the point: Why are you fighting us?
1: I think this is the first time that this has been articulated. Yeah, the fact that like you assholes built a wall, mm-hmm. we get the freezing part; you get the part that's farmable. At, so for a bit of summer, what the fuck? You know, like you know, you've got the blood of the first men. What what is our blood made of? And you know, like, why why is the you know why, why is the Night's Watch been kind of reduced to this? And um, it, it's it's a great scene because you know we learn through Asha, we learn through Egret that not all of these these wild things are just mindless killing machines. They're not yeah. they're not like uh, fucking Greyjoys, for example. Okay, uh, sure. They have they have a, a, a culture that actually. Has a lot of of appeal to modern to the modern ear. Hmm. Yeah, freedom. Yeah, it's it's a democrat. Like you know, like John tries to make it king versus king, but Egret's like you know, we 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 chose this guy. Yeah, we had a fucking process. There was a fair, open election. Even
0: giants were heard from. Uh, you know? Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how much Egret is trying to not talk her way out of the situation because I don't think she believes that's going to work, but. Like, trying to educate John um, in a way that might soften him toward the, the feelings of the wildlings.
1: No, yeah, she's there's definitely... Because there are a
0: couple of moments in this episode where she's doing that kind of stuff.
1: There's definitely seduction, but there's also just kind of genuine outrage that this guy thinks yeah. he's better than me. Mm-hmm. Like, that's always, like, you know, uh, that's a galling situation, uh, whether it's... Like, I think of, like, people in my life I've met that think they're better than me like, an office situation or whatever and how, like, infuriating it is and then extend that like what if they actually have you in bondage and they're oh. treating you this way like wow mustn't that be a fucking trip and a half <laughs> um but I, I i like that you kind of get that she's kind of playing both sides yeah. um yeah she's really twisting john up from every angle uh blue balls actual medical condition is this is this a threat to young men's health everywhere uh
0: bl- the the blue stones the i don't bl- know what balls are the blue stones. i only know what stones are yeah uh yeah i mean in certainly in the north it's a life-threatening condition i I don't know that it comes from not using your stone and bone but i think it's more the cold (laughs) i think the incidence
1: of blue stones is roughly is, is about is about happens as often as just the tip intercourse
0: yes Yes. They are they they are uh
1: they they are a malady that that they have the same is essentially the same purpose.
0: Uh-huh. Anyway. Alright, let's move on to Tywin. He's forcing uh or sorry, his forces are torturing people to try and find out who it was that tried to assassinate him. Uh for some reason he thinks this was targeting him. He tells the mountain to burn the villages and the farms because he thinks it was the Brotherhood Without Banners. Uh, so he sits with Arya, and they talk about his his own legacy as well as the legacy of the Targaryens, while Arya sort of looks for an opportunity to kill him still. Uh, yeah. It, it really changed my mind about where Arya sits on, on that fence. I think she's over the fence, and she's ready to kill Tywin. Oh,
1: I think if she had a good enough opportunity, she would. Um... Yeah, I
0: think I'd said, like, last episode, maybe she – maybe I doubted if she would be able to do it now that they're kind of warming up to each other a little bit, but – very think, clearly, the scene is telling us she's ready, and I think that it's. I think you
1: were right last episode. The thing that's changed is now Taiwan's on high fucking alert. Like this cloak and dagger stuff. There's not how much how much longer do you, do, does she think she can like maybe steal orders and getting them yeah. out to rob. So now it's like, what's the next most maximum good thing I can do? Probably taking out their best best military leader.
0: And I guess it's indirectly, or maybe not so, uh, Arya's fault that all of these villages and farms are going to get burned. Yeah. Kinda, because yeah. she stole this thing. She assassinated that guy, uh, his his it's, like second commander, or whatever. It's and... these unintended consequences, right? It is, yeah. Um, but I also
1: think it's interesting what it tells us about Tywin, because Tywin kind of rides to the rescue when like all the innocent people are getting tortured, and you think, oh, well, this is a lord that's kind of a cut above the others. But then we see how thin that veneer is, and also mm-hmm. what he really likes doing, which is using you know Gregor Clegane as his heavy. Yeah, like he keeps his hands clean by saying, "Oh, I got this Bannerman; it's always running. That's always running loose, and uh-huh. you know he can always plausibly deny his activities, or if he needs to offer him up in some kind of exchange with the, with the greater Lord,
0: um, he's a real, real son of a bitch. And I think he's also a tactician. I mean, he obviously is, but you can see it in the way." You mentioned how he comes in and he sort of puts a stop to the torturing of people, and yet here he is torturing people. But now it's with a purpose. Yeah. Um, he, I think what he didn't like about the torturing before was, A, they couldn't afford to spare the, the right. prisoner slaves, essentially. And, right. B, it was pointless. There, there was no purpose behind it. It was torture for torture's sake, and that was not something he was interested in.
1: That's true. Um, although now it's like, yeah, it's torture for torture's sake, but you're now burning... You're gonna be burning farms and villages just yeah. cause to
0: well to send a message you know i mean the the mess- there was no message being sent when people That's were true. having rats tearing through their guts. <laughs> now there's a message that Taiwan is trying to send, and you know it's a it's a grim message, and it's a horrible thing he's doing
1: right, like he's like you know. It's just so indiscriminate. The fact that your your village could not be harboring the brothers Brotherhood without banners and not aided them in any yeah. way, and you still get torched because you can't, you won't give them up because you can't give them up. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a small distinction for sure. Uh, Arya st- continues to impress Tywin, and she's playing a dangerous game here because she continues to betray more and more. And then, like I, I feel like it's weird because. It's a defiant way. Like she continues to display her intelligence and her education Mm -hmm. in contradiction of what she should be as a commoner. And, like, Tywin's kind of, over the last few episodes, given her explicit instructions on, like, oh, well, you shouldn't be be able to read. And if you're read, you you shouldn't... If you can read, you shouldn't be well-read. And even if you're well-read, you shouldn't know, like, in-depth Westerosi history. And you certainly shouldn't be saying, my lord versus my lord. (laughs) And Arya doesn't give a fuck. And, like, he even says, like, you're playing a dangerous game. And she's like, damn right, old man, I am. (laughs) It's, it's, uh... But... But but Tywin's got this weird attraction. Like, he yeah. sees a weird reflection of Cersei's kind of headstrongness and frustration at being, you know, a woman in a man's world. Um, I, a lot, but I got the impression that Tywin's warmer to Arya than he's probably ever been to Cersei. Seems like it. Is that, like i mean i'm not a dad that's like particularly hard on my son i don't think so he might tell you otherwise um certainly by my dad's standards of course my dad uh, as he administered meaning beatings would love to tell me that oh you you think this is bad we should see what the granddad is doing so yeah, yeah generations of bullshit uh, anyway.
0: Yeah, that's I, probably, he's sterner with her. But
1: I wonder, like, if you got, like, this neighborhood kid where, like, you can kind of, like, you don't give yeah. a shit if they right. turn out to be, like, the, this kid doesn't have the weight of your legacy on them. Yeah. So you can just appreciate for what they are and, like, spoil them, and it's, like, if they turn out to be rotten, who gives a shit? You think it's yeah. that? Or- I think so. Is he just getting soft in his old age and Well, he is talking about this being the last war, you know, right. that he'll fight in. So Is he trying is it this is is he an old man trying to get the Westeros C7 heaven what <laughs>
0: maybe make up for a yeah, uh, lost yeah. time here.
1: If I give this urchin a bit of fatherly attention then all yeah. the other
0: shit I've done in my life. <laughs> maybe I mean it it probably does come down to that idea of legacy and I feel like he would be sterner on Cersei because of it. Um, cuz he's he's seen here admiring Aegon for the legacy that he left behind right, right? no one ha- in 300 years has forgotten Aegon right because of the things he did and Tywin wants to be that he admires him right um, so yeah legacy super important for Tywin <laughs> yeah didn't already know it his den the dynasty he wants to form for his legacy <laughs> uh, we go over to Sansa who thanks the Hound for saving her and he doesn't so much accept the apology as try to intimidate her and call her father a liar <laughs> Not not great with accepting apologies, the hound. Uh, what's uh, is is he embarrassed
1: at his concern? Like the 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 concern for our, for Sansa. Is he like because when he said at the end, it's like you know you think I'm this remorseless killer? You'll be glad of that when I'm all that stands between you and your beloved king. Is he already looking to the future and being like, man, this is going to be like all kinds of ugly. And I kind of got to harden my heart a little bit or I'm not going to be able to do this job. Like, what's what's it could be? I mean,
0: I read it as definitely keeping her at arm's length. And for for whatever reason, you know, he does. I I think if he weren't the hound, if he weren't scarred emotionally as much as he is physically, um, he probably would warm up to her a bit more. But he doesn't see allies anywhere in this city and he doesn't want allies he wants to you know he wants isolation he wants to just be the hound yeah so he's trying to push her away gently i think i also
1: think that he says yeah i I, it's a joy to kill and it's the sweetest thing there is but i also think that the way he dispatched those other guys was a little bit more personal because them trying to like rape this innocent girl is deeply offensive to what Sandor like the the code he holds into himself. I it's yeah. hmm. but he did ride down the butcher's boy in pretty much cold blood. <laughs> uh-huh. And I'm trying to think is like is he a Jamie type that is like again his brother, the anointed knight who held his face down on the the, the, the brazier and burnt him as a as a small boy. Is he just really jaded about what it means to be a knight is he like mostly an asshole that every once in a while has a moment or two of grace or i think
0: that's pretty close to it Um, yeah maybe he feels for for sansa because she was defenseless much like he was um when he was burnt but Hmm. i don't know uh he's a tough tough nut to crack he sure doesn't like being
1: related to though no
0: he does not and he'll call your father a liar for it do you think? Do you think uh, old Ned enjoyed killing? No, no. I think the Hound has warped his idea of people. <laughs> yeah, um, he has. He has warped sensibilities. So. I mean, I've
1: heard a many a warrior say it's it's a hell of a lot of fun to to kill people that you are morally justified to kill. And yeah. I've always wondered like is that is that like some kind of like true in a savage heart? If you like, you never feel more alive than when you're taking a life, or. Is that, like, bravado so they can do, like, like sometimes, like, this hard shit is just because this is an almost impossible thing to do to retain your humanity, so you wrap this kind of grim irony about you, or... I don't know. I mean, is I think it a, deeper a lot of truth? people react
0: differently to, the, to those yeah. things, right? And I, I never saw anything from Ned that would make me say he enjoyed the act of killing anyone. I mean,
1: like, I, maybe this is just bravado, but, like, there was a bit when he was squaring off with Jamie, like i'm going to fucking enjoy taking this pretty boy apart or Hmm. you know when jamie threatened him as like oh you know it's like i i never i never fight attorneys because i don't want people to know like when it's killing time (laughs) when the killing time ned comes out i don't want people motherfuckers to know like right i think i think maybe the hound is 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 a Hmm. little bit more like like because it does seem like that ned and robert really did like riding around at the warhammer and the longsword and, and and busting Targaryen heads what need to be busted.
0: Yeah, maybe. It's a long time ago, but maybe there was some of that left over in old Ned.
1: Left <laughs> it's just yeah, in the Tupperware that's Ned's heart. there are some leftover pieces of brutality that you take leaked out, out. And
0: microwave and oh yeah. Uh, so good. All right, let's move on to Duck Sauce pledging to help get Danny's dragons back, but she really doesn't care. She does not want his help really didn't
1: leave this mystery as long as I had thought before I rewatched this thing, yeah, like my memory is like there was a few episodes of like who done it mm-hmm. uh but really the mystery doesn't last but maybe a full episode if you if you, compare generous, time, you know. yeah, so bully for that, but yeah what mm-hmm. so zaro uh, and that's the thing like i feel like that a lesser show would have had this scene but then zara would have would have fooled danny into trusting her again mm-hmm. and laid out all these logical reasons of why he wouldn't have betrayed her and then they would have kept this uh uh like a a bit of a of a cliffhanger mystery but this show you know danny's like no fucking way like i can't trust anyone in this city
0: yeah Including Jorah. Anyone. Yeah. yeah. It's
1: like, it's a logical reaction. Now it's not a useful one, but mm-hmm. it's, uh, I, and I like that they give her that, that moment that she doesn't like turn right to the first person who offers false comfort.
0: Yeah. And I feel like the plan might have been altered along the way. Darth yeah. Vader style. Um, so, somewhere along the way, maybe in this very scene when he's on these stairs, he realized Danny is not amenable to this idea anymore and stealing her dragons was actually a big mistake. Um, I think what his plan was is to help her get them back and return them in exchange for becoming the queen and him the king. But that's not what the warlock's plan was, was it? No, um, but I'm wondering if the plan changed along the way. Once they saw, oh, Danny is not going to cooperate. As a matter of fact, she doesn't want help from anyone anymore. Right. Um, I don't know. It makes you wonder
1: how stable the ruling 13 ever were. Because it seemed like all it took is a couple house cat sized dragons and a and a, and a and a slight blonde woman to completely have them eating each other alive. And there's yeah. no real defense against it. No. Like, you know, these guys are talking a lot of shit about these warlocks, and he diced them up good mm-hmm. with his with his charlatan tricks.
0: Yeah, he's got 12 copies of it's himself. so like, you can laugh
1: at Penn and Teller all you want until they split themselves into 13 parts and put a <laughs> knife to, through your belly. Uh-huh. Then it's like, oh, yeah, talk a lot of shit about my red pinky nail, didn't you? <laughs> uh deep
0: uh, deep pin Gillette cut there mm-hmm. all right let's move to back to Egret, who is extolling the virtues of being free as she describes it and offers to teach John how to bang which he does not accept oh
1: an iconic scene this, oh, this yeah. John Snow, sure is Jon Snow like I know I mean I don't think it's spoiler to say that like that that got that was an instant meme
0: yeah you know nothing just just do a Google search for there's a you know nothing. There's a
1: bald move t shirt uh that's that's based uh, on that joke. sure uh, is. So yeah, it's um and I forgot that it was all in relation to uh John being a virgin. Yeah. He was essentially busting his chops for being sexually inexperienced.
0: Yeah, I can't remember, honestly, I can't remember if they use this more in like different scenarios to reference different things. Um but it seems it's just yeah. I, I'm surprised. I guess it's a badass line said by a badass,
1: uh-huh. like like Egret. Even though that John's got the power in a situation, she's kind of telling him that you know she's not being intimidated by him. No, and and not not only not being intimidated, but being empowered enough to be like flirty and, and try to
0: like you know argue politics with him. So it's just a yeah. Com- well, it's it's a great. I mean, there's no way you're gonna be intimidated by a guy whose first action is to refuse to kill you when the threat of death is the only threat that you're concerned about. Yeah. You already know that the worst fate is not gonna befall you, so press your luck.
1: Yeah. I always press thought it was want. interesting, borderline unbelievable, that like John John's personal prohibition against bastardry is so strong that he's literally never laying with a woman. Mm-hmm. Knowing that like Theon infamous infamous whorehound. Yeah. I think his bro- they talk about his brothers visiting. Bran and you know. Rickon. Yeah, I, well <laughs> Yeah, Rickon may be a bit young, but you know, when yeah. they're youngest of that many brothers, weird shit happens. Uh I mean I guess that in as much as Ned is this paragon of virtue, uh, that always kept his word and and ev- even when it cost him mm-hmm. um that his his son, John, would have the same kind of tenacity if he got in his head that being a bastard is the worst thing in the world, then I would never, ever... The thing that would really stain my honor more than anything is to make one. Even even without the, uh, the vow to the Night's Watch, he'd taken this personal vow, hmm. that it's okay. like, you know, marriage or bust, I guess, and now the marriage is out of the equation so it's just bust. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, we go to Rob's messenger reporting that Cersei tore the paper in half when he presented it to her. Uh, he plans to reward him for his service with a hot meal and a clean pin, but Jamie's occupying it. So Rob says, put him in with Jamie anyway and have Karstark's son guard them. Uh, they, the, All of his men walk off, and Talisa comes to Rob to ask him to get medical supplies on his next stop. Uh, going to the crag, the agro crag. He's got to fight Blaze and Nitro. <laughs> uh, he fights her with him to get what she needs, instead of leaving her there and just taking the list. Uh, yeah, you
1: can see the fractures in uh, John's alliance here. That like, even if the 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 men themselves love him, some of these guys are, you know, we're getting a lot of prisoners. Your Grace, we yeah. got a lot of uh, we got a lot of problems. And and the side eye that Roos gave him when. Talisa went into his tent alone. Like you're, I mean, Kat's told him. Mm-hmm. Rob's on the verge of, of 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 throwing his kingship in serious disarray. Yeah, and this is before Jamie starts 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 rampaging through the the camp too. Mm. Like, like just 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 this is this is all bad. And and he's not around. He's traipsing with this foreign foreign woman, uh, which makes it even worse. It's a very untenable political situation.
0: Yeah. And the other part of this scene with the messenger, I think, is important to Rob's character as well. Um, He is not one to kill the messenger. Um, Even though the messenger kind of expected it. He does, yeah. He totally thinks if he says anything negative here, he's done. Yeah. Um, But Rob shows him that he's a better person than that. Uh, And he's also, you know, pretty deferential to to Talisa, who is helping the Lannister troops as well as his own,
1: right? Which is another political cost for him because yeah. his men are observing the fact that oh, it's not just our troops she's helping.
0: Yeah. Um, so they we go over to um, Theon and the hounds have lost the scent of the boys. The I'm going to call this guy the devil on Theon's shoulder. <laughs> um, he finds some walnut Dagmar shells. Tagmar Clefjaw. Tagmar Clefjaw? Yeah, that's his name. Jesus, okay. <laughs> Does he have a, like a cleft?
1: No, he doesn't. Like no. in the books he's got this fucking hideous scar where his, like, jaw's literally been cleaved in two with a, a, a axe back in his youth. Hmm. So he's got this, like, bizarre whole mouth assembly, which probably would have been a bitch and a half to do <laughs> makeup-wise, but... Yeah. Well, not, not the last time I will look at a, a a person that I thought about what they looked like in the books and be like, huh. Yep. Okay, well, because can't
0: act with a split jaw. <laughs> uh, so Theon sends Maester Lewin home so that he can commence the torturing of people in peace, because... Maester Lewin is just really putting up a stink about it.
1: Yeah, he's got these, you know, this, this prohibition about <laughs> butchering the children that he's raised right. from
0: pups. How do you get anything done with him around? I know. Uh, anything else on that scene? Or should we go to Jorah? Uh,
1: so, the question that was contemporaneous here was, are we to believe that Brand betrayed what he thought was the better counsel as far as these farmers and put them in danger. Or was old Dagmar here clever enough to plant some walnuts?
0: I and just don't know how he could have possibly known that they were eating walnuts unless they found them along the way, um, which might have happened. The dogs might have that's right, had the because the,
1: the scene where he was pounding walnuts, that's not something that, that any of them would have been privy to.
0: No, it's out in a field. Now the dogs could have found them. And he could have scooped him up and said, sure. "I'm going to use these later."
1: Sure, I um, remember there was a lot of like debate about whether um, you know this 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 guy had had like a, had a beat or he was doing he was up to something something. Uh, I think no it's a good. fair
0: question because he's clearly up to something. I, yeah. I want to know what his end game is here because he's pushing Theon down a very specific path. Right, and I'm not sure that's one that's meant to help him mm-hmm. at this point.
1: Um. We'll we'll see, I guess. And the whole thesis about better to be cruel than weak mm-hmm. is interesting because I think that's probably true. That's certainly Tywin's thesis, but the problem is when you're both cruel and weak. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's a meta commenta- commentary on like Joffrey. It's also yeah. one about Theon that like it's probably better to be meek the, the be weak and amiable than, than weak and cruel. Sure. It's probably better to be like just and even-handed in all the mm-hmm. things you do. But if you want to choose like one toxic kind of philosophy, you can only do one. Yeah. If you if you if you try to because that's the thing. Like Taiwan's fairly even-handed, but he can be cruel. Mm-hmm. Um, if you try to jaw for your Theon, and it's it's gonna be it's gonna be bad bad news.
0: Yeah, at least if you're weak and amenable uh you'll have allies
1: right you know (laughs) right
0: who can who can ward off but that's what
1: tywin saw firsthand the limitations of his father like you know being
0: being in his mind weak because uh you know you get taken advantage of too Mm -hmm. and i wonder how much of that ties into some of the stuff that cersei says later to sansa about you know the, the the not being weak and only loving your children right um you know essentially love is weakness right yeah um but you don't have a choice in your children so deal with that weakness um, right yeah 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 that's the only
1: but that's that's like that's the ones you can't get out of everybody else nah, yeah.
0: nah <laughs> okay we go to jora returning after hearing about danny's dragons danny is sad that she caused her servant's death essentially and jora says these people aren't her friends which makes danny realize she doesn't want to trust anyone anymore Jorah begs to help her, and she says, "If you want to help me find my dragons,
1: yeah." She also checks him pretty hard too, because yeah. he, you know, she, he's he's talking the truth that like you can't be this p- wretched paranoid person because you're very weak right now and you need friends. He mm-hmm. uh, can't be cruel and weak, like you know everybody knows that, Danny. Um, and he's trying to approach her, but she also has kind of seen this fundamental truth that he is also too wrapped up in her. Yeah. And he thinks, like, you know, he's got the temerity to think that he can, like, put his hands on her shoulder and there there like a little girl. Yep. Um, so he does, like, you know, he finally finds a way to say, like, it's it's not, okay, fine. I'll step back, but you still need somebody to help you. Mm-hmm. Um, find my dragons. Is that the <laughs> imperative form of where is my dragons? I feel like that that's, like, a partial credit on the where is my dragon scale.
0: Yeah, I could buy that.
1: All right. I'm because, just trying to inflate the numbers. Because find my dragons implies that I don't know where they are. Sure, yeah. So, like, the cinnamon is just... Unless it's hide-and-seek. And it's like, oh, like I've where my are my dragons? dragons? I want you to do
0: something about it. Uh, <laughs> all right, uh, we go back to Egret who is teasing John by describing what she's going to say to the Night's Watch when they return. It's all very embarrassing to him. Um, and she uses that embarrassment as an opportunity to escape and leads John into a group of wildlings who... I assume take him captive. The the tables have turned here. Yeah, we don't see John again, as I recall. Now
1: she's the better one. Um, yeah. Also, I just I love her fairly good Kit Harington uh, imitation. <laughs> it was good. when she's like spinning this tale about him like ravishing <laughs> her, and he's like he says turn around. And he goes, and I thought we were done, and then he said turn back around. <laughs> it's, so it's it's really funny.
0: Yeah. No, she is awesome. I'm I'm a big fan of Egret.
1: Yeah, and you get to like I mean, in my head canon, she has somehow detected her people in a yeah. way that John could not and and played her hand right then. This wasn't like a desperation thing. No. Okay. Good.
0: Yeah, and I think it's interesting because because you can see at some point during this episode, she begins leading him. Mm. And I knew immediately that that was a mistake. I I right. saw her going out ahead of him and I'm like you're not leading her anymore, man which means she is by definition leading you probably
1: Uh, into a trap
0: yeah and she knows the area much better than you
1: do so it's almost like Jon Snow doesn't know anything
0: yeah uh so Sansa is reliving her experiences um in a dream and she wakes up to her first period and Shay comes in and tries to help her hide it and another handmaiden sees it and he goes she goes to tell Cersei and Shay stops her, but the hound has also seen it. Shay does not go up and put a, kni- <laughs> the- a knife to the neck of the hound'd <laughs> it be funny if she did though uhhuh that you know so the hound is he just is this a morning
1: ritual like he gives I guess the so. handmaid like okay, I'm gonna give you thirty seconds to go in there and give it a quick look and then I'm busted in with my armor because uh-huh. he's just like he's like he's got that bed on like lockdown
0: yeah it might be. I mean that it might be an assignment from Joffrey.
1: Yeah, Every tell me when I'd... the girl bleeds or Cersei I... more likely. Uh, the 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 real shit job you got there, hound. Yeah. Um also really interesting character beat for
0: Shay. Yes, this uh, she was totally tolerable in this scene. I liked it.
1: Yeah, like I mean as even as an avowed Shay hater, I got to say that like I don't know what the depth is, but like anyone who instantly and empath- empathetically sees what's going on here mm-hmm. and like no question just like okay how can I help this shield this little girl not tear completely terrible in my book
0: yep I liked it all right we move on to Cersei describing to Sansa what it was like to have Robert's children and she tells her that Joffrey is going to be terrible and advises her to love no one but her children And I really really love the moment at the end where she says I I thought I had to love Joffrey, and she says you can try. Think yeah, of. yeah, uh, just like she tried to love Robert. You know, um, she's she's actually doing a very kind thing here and trying to uh, give her advice as much as she knows how. Yeah, it's from a very. F- I mean, she is actually. <laughs> this is
1: like, Sansa doesn't realize it, but like this is this is Cersei leveling with her yes. from her personal experience. It's yeah. all really fucked up and fatalistic and like what can you do in this society we live in but it's it's it is it is like uh advice that is coming from her heart and from a place where she's clearly reflecting upon the failures of joffrey and herself and Mm -hmm. um and also shows now the really interesting thing is what this says about her relationship with jamie because it really like like it's funny because she ta- talks about all this stuff in front of the Sansa who doesn't know or I don't know if she does believe that Joffrey is actually – I don't know if she fully grasps all that, that court intrigue. But but Cersei's kind of really plainly saying, like, here's how it happened. Like, yeah. you know, Robert fucked off to his hunt and my brother, Lover, was, was with me for all of our children's birth." Uh, so she tells that story, but then she doesn't really carve a Jamie-sized exception for the don't love anyone but your children That's true. Rule. Yeah. Uh, and it's also in an episode where Jamie retreats to the moral high ground by saying, I've only been with one woman who I've loved, which is which is my sister. You can't say the same thing about Ned. It's like... Not a huge because again you know this is delivered to an audience that doesn't fully appreciate the situation but I think it's interesting that where in an episode where Jamie you know declares his love for Cersei Cersei there's a little bit of a wiggle wiggle room in her love contract
0: yeah for sure we've seen you know maybe not incontrovertible proof, but certainly implied that Lancel has been sleeping with her. I so. mean, unless Lancel's just fucking like, <laughs> right. I, I'm, well, I'm not, not even sure if over... I did have sex with her, but like t-
1: <laughs> Tyrion seems like he's sure I better be afraid. Yeah. Yeah. Who are they going to believe me or Tyrion? <laughs> it's like He's like uh, a whole other levels of stupid. Yeah. If he's able to be blackmailed with something he didn't do. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: So yeah, there, there's definitely, it's, there's an imbalance there for sure. Uh, so we go to Jamie and the messenger, who turns out to have squired for him once, and they're getting reacquainted. He huddles closer and closer to Jamie while they trade squiring stories. And when he gets close enough, Jamie kills him and uses his body to get the guard inside the cell, where he also kills the guard and escapes. Uh, and if you hadn't caught it earlier in the episode, this guard is actually Lord Karstark's son. Sure is. Which becomes important in the following scenes. Yeah, this
1: this is this is a great scene because number one, it works in two ways. The first time you see it, it's fucking shocking. Yeah, like it comes out of nowhere. You think there's going to be this like Lannister romp, like the Duke boys, mm-hmm. uh, and he just. Whispers that you've got to die and beat and it savagely beats well, him. Looks down. him right in the eyes too before he does it, right, to and, see if
0: the kid comprehends what he's about to do.
1: And like you always think in terms of like killers, like we talked about, like you know if you're a soldier, or whatever, like it behooves you to kind of dehumanize and detach yourself from the humanity of the people you're killing. Mm-hmm. Jamie does the opposite. He like turns the empathy up to full to pull this kid into his confidence so he can beat him to fuck to death. And yep. it's it's like like the kid's like still twitching on the ground when Carstark boy comes in there to see what's up.
0: Yeah, it's horrible. And so
1: it's like it's it's shocking. But then every time you see it afterwards, you just think like Jesus Christ, what is Jamie's damage that he's capable of something like this? Yeah. Um. And like this, 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 like, I, and again, we've seen him throw a kid out the window. And just when you think, you know, like this episode is kind of like asking you to see things from Jamie's side, but also to recoil from the horror that is the thing that he's become. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a, it's a great scene, and it does a lot. Like it does a lot of um, uh, world building because it talks about you know Barristan Selmy, the old Lord Commander, what like a badass he was in his youth, and Painter. how how Jamie idolized this this man who we've seen as a man of integrity and honor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you think like you know, like like in a in a different world, he could have been the next you know Lord Command, like this 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 untouchable paragon of virtue, Lord Commander.
0: Yeah, but it didn't work out that way. No, it sure didn't. Uh, so we go to Jorah. He goes to the masked woman, uh, whose name I don't remember. Quaith. Quaith, to find Danny's dragons. The woman reveals that she knows Jorah betrayed Danny, and tells him that the thief is with Danny now. And in the next scene, we see that she's with the council, so we don't really know who the hell it is. I saw (laughs) it. Which I thought was pretty nice.
1: Like, I don't know that they know what to do with this Quaith character because, like, I'm like, oh, this is an interesting mystery, but then Danny is literally with the entire 13. So then I'm starting to roll my eyes. It's like, well, she's with everyone. (laughs) But before the scene is up, we know exactly the jig, and it, too, is up. Right. So the Quaith scene's kind of just an excuse to see Quaith's ass painting uh-huh. you know work that she does yeah what's that
0: all about well i mean so
1: she talks about the sailor going to old valeria which mm-hmm. if you are new to the world of ice and uh, fire um that's where the targaryens came from originally um some 300 ish years ago uh the a, the targaryens uh had a prophecy that something bad is going to happen to their homeland uh, they took off for Westeros and conquered it, and that you know Tywin was talking about that. But Valeria blew up like some kind of weird, either uh, you know delving too deeply in a kind of a Tolkien dwarves fashion, or some kind of magical mishap, or maybe just a, a Pompeii situation. The whole fucking like like subcontinent blew up, yeah, and is nothing but a smoking smoking chain of islands now that is considered to be cursed. So apparently, this guy's going to be sailing through or around those those cursed seas, and he's wanting magical protection. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether Quaithe is like legit or not, who knows? I mean, I'm looking. That's a little Chinese fortune cookie when she essentially says the answer is in the next scene. <laughs> <laughs> exit sure. stage,
0: exit stage left, Sir Jorah. Uh, yeah, the intrigue is gone uh, by the end of it, and I guess purple purple lipped freak is you know he says the dragons are in the house of the undying and that, uh, that's where Danny's going. Uh, she's been invited, and let's, let's call it invited. I don't know how, how much of an invitation and more of a demand it is, but we'll see. Um, so, Jamie's caught, and he's dragged back to the camp. Uh, Lord Karstark wants to kill Jamie for killing his son, but Catelyn demands that he stand down, and he, he goes with it, but he's also gonna tell Rob when he gets back and demand that he gets jamie's head see how that goes yeah before we um
1: this last scene where you know the the ruling uh merchants uh, the 13 ruling merchants are killed and uh, duck sauce becomes king uh what they don't they don't really they don't really talk about what the warlock's plan is here because it's like i just want yeah you just i just want you to care for the dragons get them to be big and strong and it's weird because it's like feels like Jane, like Danny's own story is being hijacked. Mm-hmm. Like she she's 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 gone from Khaleesi to being kind of a pawn in these like pimp games that these guys are playing. Mm-hmm. And it's also weird because like again, if it's that easy to do a coup on Karth, it must happen like every second Tuesday.
0: Yeah, that was my thought. It's. It seems like th- th- it's this, a recipe for disaster.
1: Yeah, like I felt. I feel like, and it's been a long time since I've read the book, but I feel like that th- there's a, this scene's a bit threadbare because it dispenses with what's supposed to be a lot of intrigue and just kind of takes the hmm. barest f- f- uh, kind of factual account of what's going on and and, and throws it up in a single episode. Yeah, and you can I really can feel, that. And, and and it's rare in these early seasons, but you can really feel kind of like the streamlining in some of these scenes. Hmm. And I don't, I don't know that they work quite as well as as they would they would hope.
0: Yeah, it did happen uh, surprisingly fast. I mean, I, I,
1: that. I like my memories of Danny's f- f- plot this season are kind of not great, mm-hmm. and I think these are these are examples why. It's just like the Quait, why, why uh, like,
0: uh, why did the Quait scene even exist? Yeah, <laughs> um, I guess it's just to show Jorah's devotion that he yeah. is out there trying to find those dragons. And the links he's willing to go to.
1: Yeah, right. But because she asked him to find her dragons and he went to the. I mean, I, that's the other thing is like, why did he go to Quaith? Like, where? why was that yeah. the, the first place he went to search? Like, there's she a lot of. seemed to have of... some
0: insights that he like, into his whole situation. So maybe yeah. he thought, man, she knows a lot. I'm going to go to her first. Right. And she's uh, like, and you know. And he's willing well, to threaten to kill her. What what so. if
1: what if uh, Quaithe said, uh, "Are you going to betray her again?" He's like, "Maybe." <laughs> or like, "Well, you're why don't the, you tell me?" Yeah, you're the bejeweled <laughs> yeah. warlock woman. Why don't you tell? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just like it's just some some really kind of loosey goosey plotting going on here.
0: Yeah. All right. Um. Did you want to say anything about the scene with Jamie and, and No? Lord just Car-Stark how like, his head?
1: legitimately pissed Carstark is, and yeah. how like Kat has to play every card in that she's got her hand to keep the peace in rob's camp with him being gone and Mm. even then it's not going to last 24 hours it's kind of incredible how quickly this falls apart
0: it's also man cat is on real thin ice in this conversation because she as i recall in season one took Tyrion captive um maybe against better judgment oh yeah she's totally a loose cannon right and and now she's saying that this is not the smart thing to do and she she says she understands but does she like she understands but she's not allowing him the same latitude that she would want it's just i guess my when i
1: was seeing when i when i was reading and watching this i just felt very bitterly disappointed in in rob's leadership here. Yeah. And I'm not saying Rob's leadership. I'm like the Rob's, the like the, the Northern Lords he has, like this Carstar guy, how can he not see the big picture? Right. That killing Jamie Lannister for fucking revenge Mm -hmm. is not going to advance. It's not going to bring your child back from the dead. It's not going to advance your, your military goals. In fact, it's probably going to just immediately wind up getting the Stark girls killed. Yeah. And it's always frustrating that, I mean, I, I maybe that's one of Martin's things. Like, yeah, these feudal systems suck because, like, it's Karstark isn't the smartest, most level-headed, reasonable guy. He's just Next kind of a mind. warlord, and he's 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 like he's backing Robin so much as it's going to give him like I it, it's this I don't know it's it's disappointing, but maybe probably an accurate depiction of what it looks like to have.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I certainly don't begrudge him too much for yeah. letting emotion get in the way of the level head that he should have uh you know with his son being freshly dead <laughs> but you know it he he should see the bigger picture and I hope that maybe before Rob gets back he will yeah
1: I don't know it's like I like it's so weird it's like I guess you're right like I get if he's making emotion purely emotional appeals but he's also trying to cloak it like so when, since when is it treason to kill yeah. Bannisters like that's too much c- come on like I get that you're clouded by emotion, but don't fucking show, tell me you're stupid. Yeah. Because that's the one thing I really have hard time respecting about characters in television, when they're just fucking dumb. And or, it wasn't the mention— Or mentioned... they think the other person's dumb enough to be like, Oh, well, fair point. Have his <laughs> head, <laughs> right. Sir Karstark. Like, come on.
0: And he's not even responding to the, ish, the thing they took issue with, which was him saying essentially that Rob has this whore that he's sleeping around with and he's fucking everything up. That was the treasonous part. Right. It wasn't about like killing Lannisters. Of course, that's not treason, right? But yeah, he he's a little cloudy here.
1: The other thing I I wonder if they're trying to hint is because we've talked about this before the fact that the the North doesn't have as many like traditions as far as knights. Like Sir Roderick is kind of a, a aberration that he actually is knighted. Most Northerners don't like that. Knighting is is, is essentially a religious. Uh, office that you hold and it's a southern tradition and I wonder if they're trying to show because Kat's making a point of calling her sir Hmm. which she's a she's a lady from the south she's trying to be courtly towards this guy and like I wonder if low-key like if you're if you're a a Game of Thrones fan that's actually a fan of the books if you're supposed to see like kind of wince a bit at that that like Cat is almost insulting this guy, but she's trying to be polite. And there's like yeah. there's this real cultural kind of thing because you know, Carstark seems like he's a he's kind of a northern nationalist. He doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't care much for this this southern wife of, of Ned Stark's. Certainly doesn't care much for this foreign uh, woman that, that his king's traipsing around with. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it's if, if something intentional, I think it's a really good subtle subtle thing that they put in there.
0: Well, I mean, shame on Karstark He's setting people up for that right I mean, if if you're gonna be a northern loyalist and you're also gonna be a knight you got to expect right for some people to be a little confused right but that's the thing i don't think Karstark is
1: i think she's calling him sir but he's not yeah yeah um okay i also liked uh jamie's uh like oh you've turned into a real she-wolf not much fish left in you which is yeah. a joke about her you know house Tully symbol is a, mm-hmm. a, a, a trout or a fish
0: Uh, so, we find out that Stannis' fleet is sailing north, and Tyrion is trying to figure out what to do about it, and he tells Cersei that Joffrey needs to start acting like a king. Cersei says Joffrey doesn't listen to her, and worries aloud that this might be the price for having children with Jaime, and then she breaks down into tears. Uh, this is a great scene, I thought. Yeah! I I felt like Tyrion maybe cut her a little bit too deep in this scene, Mm. um, with that line about it's hard to put a leash on a dog once you put a crown on its head. Right because uh, she has not been an effective mother for Joffrey, apparently. Yeah. Certainly has not let him down the right path. And now that he has all this power, what's his incentive to ever listen to anyone? And it's a, it's a great
1: scene because, like, you got these two characters who are family, but they also have this massive antagonistic relationship. Yeah. And this is where, like, the earlier statements I made, like, what if Tyrion had, like, been a, a a touch less tyrian mm-hmm. in his his victorious you know conquering of king's landing because i think cersei kind of desperately wants to to level with him and to connect with him have someone to understand the position she's in and because she, and she's really being vulnerable here she is and like i think also towards the end of the scene like the way peter dinklage plays it, like he's like slowly taking steps towards her mm-hmm. like the human thing would, as her brother would, be to hug her and comfort her, but she's kind of a snake too. So like, I can't quite do it. and When she looks to me, I have to look away. Like it's just like this weird, very ill-fitting. Her like 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 it's like if they literally were trying to dance. Like she's way too tall, he's way too short. It's just not going to work. <laughs> right. And I I I really like that. And it's a tragedy because again, if Cersei were just slightly less smug and and shitty, like, maybe they wouldn't be in this position. If Tyrion was slightly less smug and shitty, mm. maybe it wouldn't be in this situation.
0: Yeah, and I especially like that line that I said about the dog because it applies both to Joffrey and Cersei as well as Cersei and Tyrion, right? Right. I mean, they have years of built-up animosity. It's not going to go away overnight, even though it's needed. Right. Um, yeah. And it's, that's it's also a the, the introduction
1: of the theme of the Targaryens, too, because I don't know if they've articulated this before, but, you know, we've heard about the Mad King and, like, Danny's Dany's... Or, her his 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 child and 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 uh how the you know jamie and and cersei have have told themselves like oh well we're no worse than the targaryens and and look how and 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 look what they became they conquered all of westeros but the flip side mm-hmm. is yeah the incest you know as 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 we know can can lead to like severe 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 problems reproductive wise and maybe joffrey is is a result of that like he's just mm-hmm. a mad king that yeah. i've made and like this thing, this this lie we have told to build ourselves up, is now like working against me to tear me down. It's, re- it's it's really great, and they're and they're and they're performing
0: the shit out of this material too. Yeah, it's one of the few scenes where I feel genuinely uh, sorry for the predicament that Cersei is in. I feel bad for her. Yeah, uh, she doesn't get a lot of those scenes, but this one is a really good one. Yep. All right, so we go to Catelyn who dismisses Jaime's guard to call him uh, or. Yeah, dismisses Jamie's guard and goes into his cell and calls him a man without honor. And he said he's never been with anyone but Cersei, which makes him more honorable than Ned. Uh, Callan doesn't really seem to like that, and she asked for Brienne's sword as the scene ends. And Jamie it's surprising to me because at the end of the scene, Jamie almost looks relieved, like, oh, it's, it's finally going to come to it, right? She's going to put the sword through me, and I'll be off this hook. Yeah. Um, I, I... Beca- I wonder how much he is feeling like he's holding his family hostage I think by he, his he, own he, imprisonment. He feels that whole weight. Like, yeah. if I can't
1: be out there and leading the troops or, or killing for my fa- for my family, then I should be dead because that's literally all I'm good for. Like, he said that yeah. in, like two or three times through this whole episode that, like, you know, this is like I feel – like, this is exactly what the Hound says. Like, I feel like I, when I'm out there killing, it's like a dream that I've dreamed, and it's more real than my real life. Mm-hmm uh and yeah i could see that he would be relieved to have this 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 all over with and like again the line where he's like you know you swear to honor your father and you swear to protect your king and you swear to defend the innocent but what if your father hates the king who wants to slaughter an entire city because he's crazy (laughs)
0: like
1: you know where where do your where do your vows come in there Mm -hmm. and you know uh, it's 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 great um
0: and he's he's taking the biggest possible swings he can at Catelyn. Yeah. To speaking ill of her dead husband um I, Which that, that I think that's, that's that more evident. Yeah, at the end when why I think he's he's grateful that he's going to be killed here. Yeah, yeah. He just wants it to be over. Yeah. Uh so final scene is Lewin uh being dragged into I guess they're still at the farm there um, to see that Theon has burned the bodies. No, of this Rick and is Brand. this is
1: when they've they've come back to Winterfell. He's, they have? he's okay. scolding all of the small folk of Winterfell about. See, I fucking told you. Look yeah. what you made me. He's Taylor Swifting them. Look but what then, you made me do.
0: When when he sees the bodies, he almost turns around and like, it's hard to read his expression. Like it I don't know really what to make is. of it. It really is. Is he? remorseful about what he's done does he is it just all too horrific for him like yeah i expected it to be bad but wow that's bad like like mal dag i i thought i knew
1: they'd be dead but i didn't know that dagmar is going to go to town and like fucking burn yeah. them and their their limbs are charred off and also just the horror of like look at these dead children everybody like mm-hmm. i theon's a weird weird <laughs> f- weird duck yeah he sure is he's a he's a strange squid to figure out
0: yeah that's that's it for the episode. Anything else you want to talk about?
1: I don't think so. I don't think so. I think we can get, uh, we were safe to go to feedback. Club.baldmove.com is the link you want to go to if you want to join Club Bald Move. Uh, you get a lot of cool stuff for doing that. You keep Jim and I making podcasts. Like, direct listener support is how we make the bulk of our money. And you get a lot of things in return. You get ad-free feeds. Uh, you get VIP access to the forums. You get a bunch of cool bonus audio and video uh, content, like our extra spoiler reviews of first-run movies, uh, live watches with The Walking Dead, uh, Let's Plays, uh, extra features like Quip. It goes on and on, and you can get the whole pitch at club.baldmove.com. And also, you get to try the service 30 days uh, free. I mean, 30-day free trial, that's confidence. That's confidence, Jim. That's that's saying, that's, that's flopping it out there and saying, look at it. It's, 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 worth, it's worth your money because you're enjoying it. We don't even have your money. What kind of, what kind of crazy people give away something like that for free? Us. It's, 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 it's the confidence in the value of your product to, to, to do something like that. Uh, invest with confidence in Bald Move, club.baldmove.com. Uh, we have a, a non-spoiler feedback from Mike from Louisiana. wants to talk about Jamie. In his development this episode, Jamie pushing Bran out the window was horrific and arguably the most consequential act of this series, but I think it pales in comparison to Jamie killing his poor cousin. Think about it. When Jamie tried to kill Bran, he had to make a quick decision to protect the secrets. When Jamie killed his cousin, he was cold, calculating, and cruel his cousin was literally heaping praises on him and pouring out his soul but the entire time jamie viewed him as a piece of meat even though i've seen this episode four or five times i always dread it because poor cousin lannister has no clue that his head is about to be bashed in with a chain just to serve as bait for the guard the act helped him escape but falls under a high cost low reward category uh no i i can't
0: agree more i have so little sympathy for the cousin lannister's at Dude. this point, like, they're all buffoons. We've seen it. Tywin's dismissed half of them because they're all idiots and want to go home. Uh, yeah, I mean, when you're talking about a cousin of a Lannister, I don't care. They're the bad guys.
1: <laughs>
0: I, but, and, I mean, they're, that's like, not a distant, very Games
1: of thrones observation. They're, they're distant relatives of the bad guys at that. So that's what I'm saying. Like, this guy seems like he's cool. Yeah. I'm uh, sure he's a shit in his own way. <laughs> <laughs> all, Lannisters, all Lannisters are evil,
0: even Tyrion? And Tyrion's the one exception. He's the exception that proves the rule. Yeah, uh, I've never well, seen him choke anybody and, and so any cousins. Not not a
1: moral. Not well. He he, he chokes up uh, Lancel pretty good. Yeah, metaphorically. <laughs> okay. I mean that's a that's that's a that's a choke slam if I've ever seen one. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I I don't. As you could be as satirical as you like, but <laughs> yeah, I you're not think, wrong. I do think that. Um, that's that's what's great because you're supposed to see like oh well maybe not all the Lannisters are complete shits and maybe even Jamie had dice you know bounce a few different ways wouldn't be a total shit um, but it doesn't matter because even if this is a shining example of Lannister honor and glory Jamie's going to beat him <laughs> down uh-huh. uh, to lube the chain the, the chain with blood so we can show Karstark to be- all the better yep um, I mean it's Like, has Jamie never seen a fucking 70s or 80s era fantasy uh, science fiction? Because the play is get on the ground and flop around, cousin, Mm -hmm. which would have been just as effective as him actually beating him until he's got the weird kind of like Sean Connery, the rock twitch going on with his foot. Uh, Like the, the killing is kind of completely unnecessary. I think so. Yeah, and then you have an ally that was already a good squire, which maybe maybe you need. Like I, that's what I keep coming to. as. it seemed like it was unnecessary. If yeah. Jamie had an ounce of literary trope in him, if he had cracked a book, his, his his dyslexic ass had cracked a book or
0: two. I think uh, Alton Lannister is still alive maybe or if the guard had maybe been a little bit smarter Jamie wouldn't that's have got true. out that's true if guards an idiot if
1: lord carstark had seen the same 70s 80s era science fiction <laughs> fantasy show yeah he would have known that like guards guards this man needs help is like right th- 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 it's like okay well i will call request for backup and send a medical team Wait for Talisa gets back <laughs> to
0: save your ass. She'll have, have, sh- have a bucket full of milk of the poppy for him. <laughs> right. Uh, you're staying in his cage. And I actually don't even understand what this guy, what Stark's conception of guarding someone is. Because he's apparently 15 miles away when this thing happens. Like right. They've been talking. He comes in, he shushes him, and then he fucks off to wherever. I don't know right. if he's going to the bathroom. I don't know where he is, but he is far away and and like we really can only spare one one kid to
1: watch these this guy like right shouldn't he's there the most be, important
0: hostage in all of westeros Come shouldn't on. there be like
1: a team that kind of rotates every couple hours to keep him fresh yeah. you know if you're gonna have you're gonna if, if rob's gonna be this big jailer of people uh-huh. so he can exchange them or whatever then
0: you gotta do your you know you gotta do your job right yeah he talks about how great the the starks are at jailing people and mm-hmm. how great they are at being jailed. It turns out, the car Stark's
1: super shit. That's what car. It's a it's mo- so. it's, a, it's an old first men modifier. It means bad.
0: Bad at jailing.
1: Yeah, like Stark is is means a lo- like we love being jailed. Car <laughs> means no, don't. <laughs> <laughs> They're really bad. They're really bad at being prisoners and imprisoning people. Yep, it's too bad. It's too bad. So that's the, the Lone Piece and Non Spoiler feedback we got. Uh we've got some more in the spoiler section, but that's for people who have been through the series and the books. Uh well, the series anyway, because if you're in the series, you're actually way far ahead of the book people. Yeah. Uh so feel free to join us if you'd like to give us feedback, it's at Game of Thrones at Baldmove dot com. And uh we will be back next week for the next episode and we will be going into the spoiler section right now uh see you when we see you bye
0: all right let's get into some spoilers uh i thought it was interesting to see theon hunting with dogs in this episode knowing what's in Ah, store for him in the future
1: he will be he will be hunted yeah i know
0: that's a pretty you know common occurrence is hunting with dogs but it tickled me um and then the other thing with theon is i can't remember refresh my memory does he know that these are not the boys he he has to right because he would have been informed that they found them right if they had. See that's the
1: thing. Like I I I think that we're I I and I don't know and I didn't go back and re- like look at the next episode or, or refresh my memory of the books because mm-hmm. um, I think the books are slightly different. Like it's not like. The books are less ambiguous. Like maybe they find a brooch, where maybe got that. Con- uh, I've got that confused with fucking fellowship of the uh, the ring. But mm. um, I I think the idea is that Bran's better judgment won over, and they skipped a the farm, and Dagmar somehow planted those walnuts. Okay, and yeah, I think the I do think Theon knows, which is weird. Like I don't I I can't explain his. The only thing I can explain his reaction is that, like, as they're hauling up these boys on the wall, the full weight of what he's doing, yeah, and the type of leader that he is is falling upon him, and he's kind of horrified at himself
0: because those are real boys, obviously, that were killed. In that yeah, 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 yeah. So, those are the despite them not being Brandon Rick, and it's it's still two boys,
1: right? Right. So, still horrific. Yeah, and I'm trying to think of. I'm trying to think of how i'm trying i'm trying to think of how we find out that that's fake cuz at some point the i or or maybe this is a book only plot that uh hodor and uh the boys and Asha and the wolves are hiding out in the crypts of winterfell
0: hmm, okay
1: um because when winterfell kind of gets sacked um that that that's that's certainly where where they're at so
0: mm-hmm.
1: um but i i'm i'm, I'm kind of fuzzy on the the the, the details there uh, the thing I want to talk about was Arya's meal with Tywin, And I'm thinking, like, in seems, terms of Season 7, where Arya, and we don't know exactly how much of this is quote-unquote real because we've got stories of, like, all this alternate stuff they filmed, but it didn't make it to the end, and, like, how how genuine was Arya's, like, outrage with Sansa and how much of that was just, like, play-acting to try to figure out what her sister's true motivations were. She's kind of, like, playing the lying game. But I just I kept on thinking like what if Sansa like had a fly on the wall and she sees yeah. like like it it's not very clear that that Arya wants to kill Tywin, but she's sharing a meal with him and kinda of taking a shine to him and doing the thing that she needs to do to survive and, 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 right. and, and keep alive and, and get revenge for the family, yet she judges Sansa for, you know, writing a letter and and, you know, playing this this game of court footsie with Cersei and Joffrey and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um and and the delicious thing is Sansa can't throw that in her face because she knows nothing <laughs> of it. Right. <laughs> Arya knows all this shit about Sansa, but it's it's very asymmetric. But, mm-hmm. um, it's something that's kind of it's kind of funny when you get later on into the series. Uh, any other kind of points we want to make? Or get right to the feedback? Let's get to the feedback. Okay. Once again, Game of Thrones at Baldmove Jonathan H is first. Does Brienne come across as completely ridiculous to anyone else? Let's counter fuck ups. One. Let Rinley die. Two, lost control of Jamie. Three, best of the hound, but in so doing ruined Arya's hopes of reaching Winterfell. She seems like this duty bound, allegiance swearing wrecking ball that does more harm
0: than good. I <laughs> guess this isn't much a question, but I want to hear your thoughts. I mean I feel like blind honor and devotion has always kind of been a wrecking ball. I mean, the, I mean yeah. look at the Starks, right? Yeah, and, right. Uh, so in as much as she embodies that like the Starks do, yeah, sure.
1: The thing is is like she's even worse or better depending on your perspective because like ned did compromise his honor and integrity by taking the plea deal
0: and lying
1: to the realm to preserve his daughters Mm -hmm. rob besmirches his personal honor by reneging on his marriage contract and ultimately destroying his kingship um because of his like you know essentially
0: carnal selfishness yeah come Um, on john's stronger than you are rob
1: yeah um whereas Brienne like doesn't really have any of a, so certainly not so far and also let Rinley die what the hell would anyone do to stop yeah. the supernatural shadow baby that you didn't even know existed Get a big light big old <laughs> the- candle right like set Rinley on fire and he would have been <laughs> warm for the rest of his life like I, I don't know that you can say that she let Rinley die no,
0: no that's not on her
1: I know there's there was no defense she has no no defense against that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, losing control of Jamie, uh, he's one of the best killers in the land. Yeah. Uh, and like the best thing the hound like that's the other thing is like both the hound and Brienne were doing what they thought was best for Arya and what they thought best was killing each other. <laughs> uh-huh. So, like, I, I don't know. I don't think I don't think she's ridiculous at all. I like Brienne a lot, me too. So I can't can't go along with you on that one, Jonathan. Uh, Patrick F. I was pretty surprised that you're reading the scene of last week when the half hand gives John to kill Egret. Or leaves John to kill Egret. Why, I think your hypothesis that was because he expected John to rape is valid and fits the character presented on screen. Certainly not how it goes down in the books. If I remember correctly, Corrin later reveals his motivation for leaving John alone to kill Egret was because he knew he wouldn't kill her, thereby adding to his credentials when he turns double agent. Corrin says something along the lines of, If I want someone to torture a wildling, I'd ask Evan. If I wanted someone to climb a mountain, I'd ask Stonesnake. But I asked you to do this task, basically revealing he knows his men inside and out. I know the show changed Corrin's character somewhat, um, but in his estimation, they five out of ten executed a great plotline, in my opinion. But to suggest he expected him the Raper seems pretty far removed from the book character. Hmm. Yeah. I agree, and that's the one thing I was gonna make at the tail end of Corrin's story is that I was I was pretty disappointed with how they handled this, um, uh, because in the books there's this like, great scene of like, you know, Corrin and his hand picked team and there's always like these moments of like, you know, Corrin make the observations like from that rocky crag, a man that's good with the bow could hold off could hold off men for a good long while till he ran out of arrows and like the best archer in the group would stand up and be like yep you're right and just solemnly go off to fucking die to give like there's this running battle between these 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 dwindling group of like badasses against all these wild things it's very hmm. fucking black hawk down it's very lone survivor and like i eat that shit up um, and, and then you're, you're right at the end when, you know, John gets captured and they've got this, they, like, Horn reveals that, like, that's kind of like his ace up the sleeve, that John's natural pity and kind of stupidity with the enemy would make it, uh, him a better turncloak. I didn't
0: uh, pick up on any of that. Right, from last you don't. Episode.
1: You don't, and that's why like. I was pointing out this, like you know, without that knowledge, it just makes it. I, and I think that maybe the double D's leaned into that because, like you know, you got to make you got to. It seems like sixty more seconds, and you could have told a lot of that story, or maybe two minutes over the course of the season. But you got to decide with trim and whatnot, mm-hmm. and the way they trimmed it, it gives it this kind of like another di- additional layer of gray to the 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 Night's Watch. That this guy who's okay. been battling yeah. these guys for decades is kind of so cynical and grizzled that he would, you know, it, it's, it's, and it's another kind of like disillusionment that John has to go for, to go through. Because that's the thing, like this is the beginning of John's path where he sees a way to unify the Wildlings and the Night's Watch and, and sees that against the real threat of, of these old gods that Craster worships, mm-hmm. um, this enmity between the Night's Watch and the, the Wildlings is stupid.
0: Okay, yeah, I mean, as presented in the show, it feels like maybe that never should have happened. Uh, but yeah, when you throw in the book knowledge, which right. I'm not privy to. Uh, let's continue. Melanie R., I got caught
1: up in your got- podcast. I want to let you know that I recently watched a commentary by Germ on episode 209, the Blackwater. And he said, he- winds of winter is coming out in <laughs> three weeks. Got 90% of it written. <laughs> Uh, or he comments about how he wanted to include the chain, but there was no budget for it. They invented huh. invested most of it in the boat they created and decided to drop the chain (pun intended). Okay, I, there again, like how fucking expensive is it to animate a chain coming in and out of the water? It could probably be a practical effect and then CGI a couple
0: of exploding boats.
1: Well, I mean, I just, like, when they say, like, I we spent all our money on zombie polar bears so we couldn't afford a few seconds of ghosts, like, mm-hmm. I, that just really doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Um, and to me, the chain is kind of, like, what really makes it, like, a, a uniquely kind of Tyrion trap. Right. Uh, and and really amps up the cleverness. So like I, I mean I guess I just don't understand how they how they decide what is worth budget and what isn't on the show.
0: Yeah, I guess the earlier and earlier um, you go in the show, mm-hmm. the more I'm willing to give them that. Right. Um, like look, we didn't have the budget. Right. When you get to season seven. Come yeah. on, you're making the biggest show on television. Right. Don't tell me you can't afford
1: it. Yeah, for something and it's not like a little thing. Like Ghost is like one of these big fan favorites. And that the other yeah. thing is like. If I remember correctly, I was not very impressed with the mock boats they have. Like, they look like sound mm. stages that are of a... They don't even try to CGI water. It's just like they're on a gloomy set. Dark, they yeah. they only, It's like, the, and this is like, uh, you know, I know what a real boat looks like, and what real rigging, and, and the, it's just they don't nail any of it. It feels <laughs> very stagey. Yeah. So, like, hearing that, and I, I guess you're talking about this is, like, on the DVD commentaries, um, it just it, yeah astounds me, astounds me that the the CGI boat budget or the the practical boat budget sucked up all the chain budget. uh Sean from North, uh, I'm gonna try try to say this, Kakalaki.
0: No, yeah, that sounds right, Kakalaki, Krakalaka, <laughs> uh
1: wow. I am fully caught up with Game of Thrones and A Song of Ice and Fire, and have been following your season two rewatch. Well, thanks. I agree with your and many others' opinions that Tywin, Faroo, Swap, and Hall and the re- resulting relationship with Arya is one of the most enjoyable parts of Season 2 and the entire show, but this aspect is mostly unique to the show and presumably spearheaded by the Double Ds as writers for the new dialogue and scenes. Can this storyline be used as proof that the showrunners and associated writing team is capable of generating compelling original content in the bounds of the Game of Thrones story and that the generally plot hole ridden and immersion breaking only show only plots of season six and seven are evidence of other underlying issues. In my opinion, it's not uncommon for shows to become lazy with story details once they achieve critical acclaim and general popularity. Uh, But do you think this points to a decline in care for the show over time? Or is this a situation different enough not to provide for fair comparison to the bullet point style resource material for season six and seven?
0: My guess is the thing that's causing all the problems in season seven as far as plotting goes, is time. Hmm. Um, not having not having the episodes they need to really fully flesh out the story and get to the end point that they're heading for. But it's so weird because... I know they could have more time, but but it's also, it but... comes down to burnout for the Double Ds, right? Like, it... they don't want to continue to produce this for another three, four, five years. Yeah, They that's... just want to finish the story and be done with it. And I can't blame them. I mean, yeah. They've been doing this for eight years now.
1: Okay, so like I feel like I've carried enough water for the double Ds. I can say, like from the other side, that like much like Game of Thrones itself, there are no heroes here. Like George should have, in my estimation, buckled the fuck down and gotten another book or two out, or mm. decided that's never going to happen. So I'm going to more directly collaborate to make sure this, you know, is the best version of my vision. It seems like instead, there's been a little bit of a a rift in their creative relationship because like, well, I don't have time to fucking finish my books. I certainly don't have time to write a script or sit in a writer's room. (laughs) Uh, And also this thing about the double D's like getting sick of game of thrones again, fucking buck up dudes. Like there's, there's easy to say looking in from the
0: outside. I I do the easiest
1: thing in the world. (laughs) Look, I, I have like, it's, it's, you know, being a podcaster is not all you know roses either there is many days that i don't feel like fucking doing this but on the other hand i have a contract with people that expect this shit to get done and they
0: and they're delivering they, on and, that and,
1: and they provide my life but the work
0: is suffering certainly and yeah and you can see it suffering um under those circumstances i they haven't you know failed in any of their obligations necessarily they've simply been
1: i i just do feel like they're not they are there's a little bit of fuck it let's just get through this and i think yeah. that in a perfect world these guys would stay creatively engaged throughout the whole process and tr- and, and try that much harder um
0: well, as soon as you find the perfect world let me know
1: <laughs> well um and and the, you know maybe it's because like again there's this is where it gets blurry because the bullet points i think pay uh you know like it's one thing to have a building that's all fleshed out and you get to the sixth floor and it's like, oh, we wanted a waterfall here. Well, it's just, it's just going to have to be a blank wall because we don't have the budget for it. Mm-hmm. It's a whole other. It's like floors six and seven don't exist. Let's just let's get the water. Well, the waterfall's half built and we ran out of money. Shit. What are we going to do? You know, well, try to, you know, put his best spotlight on it and move on. Like I do think maybe they'd be more energized and engaged if they were having this streamlining role. And it's a lot easier to, you know, make a plain wall look prettier if you knew that it has to be plain because we don't have the budget for it. Then you get halfway through the waterfall and like, well, shit, we just have to somehow, you know, fucking have an ice dragon
0: here. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not disagreeing that the blame, there's plenty of blame to go around, and that yeah. Martin is partially responsible. The double D's are partially that's responsible. What, and that's what I'm and, saying. And I'm not saying that makes them blameless. It's yeah. just. An understandable
1: thing i and I do think it's interesting that like some in the community like it seems like it seems like preponderance of fan wants to always throw it back to the double d's as being the ultimate betrayers when sure. the god of the universe stopped on day five of creation, mm-hmm. like you know, how can anyone care more about this goddamn story than George martin, sure, so like I think he's the most at fault, and <laughs> then if i if 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 the double d's And I don't know their pressures. Like they're you know, they're living this shit twenty four seven in a way I can't like I certainly don't as a podcaster. But I do wish they cared maybe a little bit more because there is multiple times when I was listening to their own goddamn words where they're saying like, Well, this wasn't great, but it's the best we could come up with with the time and budget restraints. Who are putting the time and budget restraints on them? Ultimately like if they went back and said, I need another episode and
0: it's gonna delay Season eight, another month. Well, who cares? Yeah, that's the thing. I I don't think you can blame this on time, like actual time in production schedules and budget, right? Because I think you will have as much leeway as you need on those things if you simply ask for it.
1: Also, apropos of this, truly needed this conversation. Someone dug up a quote from George Martin. I think it was October fifteenth, two thousand seven, where he said. You know, in ten years when the books are finished, no one's going to remember how long it took to f- in between the books. They're going to remember how good they were. And ten years later, there's still two <laughs> books that haven't come out. They may never come out. Yeah. And I guarantee, George, what people will remember if the books never get finished is yeah. the books never got finished. That's true. So, gee, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's kind of a shit show. Okay, Jeremy, OC. Uh, the day before Renly is killed by a shadow baby from the Big Red's Vag, the two brothers meet on a bluff to chat with Kat there too. For some reason, in the books, Rinley offers Stannis a peach. He doesn't take it, but he's confused by the offer, and I am too. What the hell is Rinley doing? A friend of mine is a teacher of difficult kids, and he sa- she says she will often eat an apple in front of a student who's near the boiling point. She says you never look stressed while eating an apple, and it calms everyone down. Is this what Rinley, the weird fruit loving usurper, was up to? Would love your thoughts.
0: Okay. Wow, I I have no response for that. I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, I mean, it
1: I, like when I, I at first I'm like, well, this is interesting. But then I think like the idea of like someone kind of offhandly eating fruit in front of like it reminds he me is of too. Like, There's a scene in the like, show where like, he's eating fruit. Sure, and it reminds me of like Cool Hand Luke, where the boss is like carving an apples as he's laying down the law, and like there's like uh-huh. other scenes like that where it is kind of like this person's doing this very casual thing. It's like if if uh-huh. they were trimming their toenails in front of you, it'd be kind of the same thing, like, like Ty
0: cleaning the deer. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, it's, it's like it's it's a little bit of a power game. Hmm. Um, I do think in the book it's more. Because if I recall correctly, the scene is like Stannis is like thinking about his brother and he's feeling guilty about it and kind of the underhanded way he won and and uh, how hinky it was and like grappling with the idea that like he really did love his brothers in some deep down place of him and he can't quite articulate it. And he's like, to him, the peach is kind of like, you know, Rosebud. Like he, he he's assigning a deeper meaning to it because he... Mm-hmm what else can he say i love my brother right so <laughs> i don't know wow it's the weirdest email is, is this the weirdest email we've ever considered
0: i thought it was super weird
1: okay okay we'll move on then hunter from birmingham alabama uh had a quick thought about Bron's character moving into season eight with jamie awall and the tarlies both dead who will cersei choose to lead the lannister army it seems Bron is the only one left in king's landing that's a ranking officer for the lannister army mm-hmm. so it makes sense to put him in charge that would be quite the arc from his sword from season one. My gut tells me he would follow Jamie to Winterfell, but do you think if he was going to do that, he would have left with him? This leads me to believe he has another purpose in King's Landing. Do you see Bronn as supreme commander of the Lannister
0: army? Yeah. I mean, Bronn's climbing the ladders, right? Climbing the rungs. I if just... He can... I mean, he's also the guy who's going to back the right horse. Yeah. You know? And if he sees that the Lannisters are weak, he's not going to back that horse anymore. Uh... But yeah, I mean, he's... Who else? The Mountain? Well, the Mountain in charge?
1: Yeah, the Undead Mountain. Uh-huh. I thought, like, if anyone's probably gonna lead it, it'd be Euron, assuming he doesn't yeah, immediately yeah. betray Cersei. Okay. But, like, Braun, I'm like... I mean, maybe that is, that there is no literally no one else, but I, I'm thinking, of, like, any minor or major lord that's still left in in as, in, in Tywin's old Bannerman, like, the idea that Braun would be leading them would be some kind of fucking joke.
0: Yeah, we talked about... And they looked, like there was, they looked
1: like there was la- competent Lannister commanders left because Jamie uh, was meeting Kevin? with them. Kevin's, nah, Kevin's, dead. Kevin's dead. Kevin's dead. Kevin's dead. got blown up he in the Sept. In the books, he got oh, in the books he got stabbed to death the way. Okay, uh, one of the
0: many people to perish in the Sept.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I, but but they showed Jamie meeting with his commanders, and they seem like they're professional and competent. So I mm-hmm. imagine one of those guys would do it. Yeah. But the other thing is like you know related to the conversation you said about the D- Double Ds, like when you said, yeah, sure, I can see that, like my heart sinks because me, I'm thinking like all this history and how he's this very up-jumped, rough around the edge of cell sword and how none of the la- the professional soldiers would want to follow him. But if you're as a,
0: I mean, I I podcast think...
1: guy, it's like, sure, yeah, that sounds good. Like I feel like the Double Ds will like
0: say the same thing. Like, I mean, he might it, be not? in a Theon situation where nobody respects him, but I think – he would probably... I don't think Braun would ever at at that be in a Teon situation. <laughs> well, I think... Well, in as much as they don't respect okay, him. Okay, sure. Um, maybe he can instill some respect. Yeah, I think the first time that way he lips has.
1: and off, like, tries to leave in a boat, he's holding his own guts, and then, uh, like, this is why you don't give me shit. Well, that's
0: not respect. That's fear. Well, you know. <laughs> uh, but my, my larger point is, he is an opportunist, and we've seen that time and time again, and as soon as he thinks there's an opportunity to jump on, the could be successful for him he takes it now i think he might change his mind um once he sees kind of the more a little more of the devastation that the dragons can bring to a castle (laughs) yeah um you know he's seen it in the field so he should be well aware but i think uh once he realizes there is no safe place he might he might turn that opportunity down sure
1: i'm still holding out hope for the the dornish gambit yeah um
0: i just don't know yeah you'd have to i think Euron is the most likely one
1: yeah. Uh, okay, so Fern from NYC is going to bat clean up here. Been rewatching season seven, and I've had some thoughts. Everyone assumes the Night's King will go north. Uh, will go north to south with the Army of the Dead, and his main army most likely will. But my question is, now that the Night's King has a dragon, and seeing Danny dr- fly from Dragonstone to East Watch faster than Jim driving Chipotle for lunch, could the Kings? Knight's King swing around Westeros with his dragon and strike King's Landing with his dragon. Wait, mm. what did I just say? D- Night's King's, dragon. Could Knight's King could Knight's King swing around Westeros with his dragon and strike King's Landing with his dragon? Okay, yep, I, I earned that double dragon. <laughs> even if went alone, he could just he just need to kill a handful of people to make them his army, or just raise the dead that are already in King's Landing. Could Cersei meet her in by the Knight's King before the North even fight the army of the dead? Uh, white, Cersei anyone? W-I-G-H-T Hell, if dragon is a white then it should have dead raising abilities as uh, well This, wow, is, spinning. this is spinning off into no Fern, fern you're, you're, yeah. you've done speculated yourself into a, a tizzy um, uh, I,
0: I think the, the Night King has maybe fucked himself with this dragon because the dragon's fire is going to burn up all of his potential army right. if he decides to use it I'm going to make a further Chipotle-based analogy. Okay. Uh,
1: Jim no longer rushes like a madman to Chipotle. Jim yeah. orders online, in the knowledge that when he arrives, mm-hmm. the burrito will be waiting for him.
0: I'm a tactician. That's
1: I think why. the Night King similarly has preordained that he's going to get King's Landing and is in no particular hurry to mosey down. He's got mm-hmm. oceans of time to conquer Westeros. That burrito will be waiting for him <laughs> in King's Landing. Yep. I don't... No, like it seems like the story of the Knight of the of the knight's king has been slow and patient accumulation of power. Mm-hmm. But as Fern says, he does have the dragon, which he
0: didn't have before. So yeah, no, it's um, I I just don't I don't really know what he's gonna do with it. Yeah, like it, it changes the game certainly, but I don't know to what degree. As far as him like
1: raising dead and how old a dead he could like no one really knows that stuff. Like people have pointed to like how. The Stark royalty has, like, always been interred in, like, the the crypts of Winterfell with, like, some kind of, like, potentially magical protection because all their kings have these iron swords across their laps and people, like, say, well, in most traditions, iron is, like, proof against undead and magic and all But, like, who the fuck knows? Yeah. Like, I mean, if the Night King can resurrect anyone who's ever died ever, but that would be scary, but we've never really seen him do that. We've seen Mm -hmm. like really old dead, cut a heed, but like those could have been like whites that have been laying around for centuries, if not millennia. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if he can just like empty the graveyards out,
0: like some kind of fucking
1: night on bald mountain situation.
0: Yeah. And I guess I don't know what effect the dragon's fire would have on people. Would it turn them? Right. Would Would it burn them up? Right. Um, I, I, I guess that, that could be interesting.
1: I don't... I mean, the, and the dragon is a real grayer because, like, they've always said the dragons are not just mere beasts. There is some kind mm-hmm. of intelligence there. So maybe they could be, like, a full White Walker dragon and could 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 start raising. But, like, then again, I don't know that they're that close to human intelligence. Like, I don't know if they're going to... They're going to be able to master the gloating-based language that is <laughs> required to weave the spells that pull the dead out of the ground. I, and no one, uh, no one knows. No one knows. I just... Yeah. I just don't. I. Th- it seems like it would have this weird thing where um, it really completely makes the machinations down south worth nothing. Like if the Night King comes while you know John and Danny are dreading dealing with King's Landing and nukes King's Landing, and then goes back up north, and what are we even fighting for now? Yeah. So I mean, could could the white could the Night King fly through the Summer Isles? Could he fly to Southeros or whatever? Like like sure. there's also this thing of like the the winter comes with the Night King. Can he just like, you know, go to hit a tropical beach and start raising dead? I don't I don't, I honestly don't know. I wish I did. I wish I knew more about their limitations and strengths and weaknesses, but whatever. We got six more episodes to go. We do? And that's it. That's it. Again, Game of If you'd like to send us feedback, you can also go to forums.baldmove.com. Uh, to talk with your fellow fans and follow us on all the social medias and of course baldmove.com to find uh, to keep up with uh, what we're doing because we're doing stuff all the time got a really big week ahead of us mm-hmm. pretty excited uh we'll be back next week with another episode until then i'm aaron and i'm jim see ya